Good morning, brothers and sisters. This is a day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I hope you're saying that with me every week. I'll get used to saying that. I am Mark Hedegar, and I'm blessed, honored, and humbled to be the pastor at Stratford Salisbury Center and Middleville United Methodist Churches, where we expect miracles, recognize miracles, and celebrate those miracles together. Praise God. Um, I do not have any announcements this morning except to say people have been asking about possibly doing a couple outside services this year. So um, I'm excited. We'll get some teams together. We'll coordinate with the fire department and maybe we could do the outdoor service again. That was it was pretty fun and we got to meet a lot of people, a lot of new people. So uh, pray on that if you would. Today's memory verse comes from John 20, 29. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Let us pray. This morning's prayer comes from Curry Butler. It goes this way. God, our creator, we come today thanking you for your unconditional love. It was with your love that you painted the sky. It was with your love that you produced the sun to keep us company as we travel during the day and the moon to accompany us as we slumber at night. Your love continues to let us know that we are never alone, but you are always with us. So, God, tattoo your word on our hearts so that our souls may forever be revived. Let your precepts run through our veins, causing us to rejoice and be glad. We know the troubles that we see, but we shall rejoice and be glad. We know the hurt and the pain that we must endure, but we shall rejoice and be glad. We shall rejoice because the same God who painted upon the night sky is the same God who's still painting our way out of no way. Lord, we're depending on you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please join me with a call to worship. It's the Sunday after Easter. All the lilies are gone, and we are alone with our faith. Thomas said, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Easter is past, and we are alone with our faith. On this Sunday after Easter, Lord, help us grow into the faith that we confessed and celebrated last week. Reveal evidence of your resurrection for the days when we feel we are alone with our faith. This morning's Lady Scripture comes from John 20, 19 through 29. John 20, 19 through 29. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails 
and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to them, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. We move to joys and concerns. Um, and I want to start off by saying uh, Holy Week was amazing. We had uh, nine services that week, counting both Sundays. And we had 209 people attend in-person worship service during that week. 209 people. And that's not counting those that listen from home on their computer. But praise God, what a beautiful, amazing week and a great uh, honor and tribute to our Lord. So I, I say it all the time when I, when I do the joys and concerns, I yell them out, yell out the joys. Thank you for the cardinal outside my window. Thank you for the grandchildren playing in the yard. Thank you for a neighbor who looks in after me, whatever that joy might be. Let the Lord hear you say it this morning. And when you do the concerns, do the same thing. He knows all of that that's on our heart, but he wants, again, he wants us to have that relationship with him. He wants to talk with us. He wants us to speak to him um, as he surely speaks to us. You look around this world, he is shouting to us and all of his creation. So um, yell him out. Don't be shy. Let us pray. This prayer is actually by Carol Penner this morning, and it reads this way. This morning we pray for people here who are filled with doubts, who wonder whether you exist and whether you are listening to our prayers, who wonder what this whole community is about. We pray for people who doubt the purpose of life, who wonder whether to end it all, who face feelings of meaningless and despair. Even when we have that sinking feeling, give us a wisdom to turn to you. You specialize in impossibilities. You walked on water. You heal the nations. You forgive sins. And you set the captives free. Lord, we want to believe. Help our unbelief. Give us faith, small as a mustard seed, so we can be your faithful people, believing in your power to save, believing in your power to reign supreme, believing that we can share this good news with everyone we meet. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We move to the message this morning. The title this morning is Defending Thomas. Defending Thomas. Uh, some of you may have heard me tell a story about how many deer that we've seen on our, mount, on our mountain over the years. When the kids were growing up, we used to count up to 300 deer, and then we'd stop counting. And, and that meant that there were more than 300 deer on our surrounding properties. Some people I tell that story to believe it right away. Maybe they believe it because they trust me, or, or maybe they've seen that many deer themselves. But some people doubt it. Maybe they doubt it because they've never seen that many deer themselves. Maybe they need to see it to believe it. Well, unfortunately, we didn't have cell phones to take pictures back then, so there's no proof other than those of us who saw it. 
But sometimes I tell a story with other witnesses, people that saw the same thing that I did. And sometimes that'll help them believe. But sometimes it still doesn't. Some people simply refuse to believe what they can't see themselves. But I've read many great examples of people believing in things that they can't see. For example, we believe when our loved one says they love us. We believe in the wind even though we can't see it. And we believe in electricity. We can't see that either. But what we do see is a result of the love, wind, and electricity. So even though we may not be able to see Jesus, we can surely see the results of Jesus. We can see Jesus through the changed lives of believers. We can see Jesus through the compassion and love of others. And one of my favorites, we can see Jesus when we're able to quickly forgive those that have wronged us or hurt us. My bride will tell you, before Jesus changed me, I could hold a grudge for many, many years. Not with her, of course. My bride's perfect. But I held grudges for a long time, and what good did it do me? I certainly wasn't a very good witness for Christ when I was angry, when I was holding on to those grudges. I didn't care for Colossians 3.13 where it says, Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So you also must forgive. But when Jesus came into my life and my family could see him, through the change in me, they knew that they were seeing the results of Jesus. Jesus softened my heart, and it was evident to those who knew me. And because of that, maybe, just maybe, those that didn't know Jesus could see him through my actions and my reactions to the things that used to set me off. And if they see the results of Jesus, maybe they could believe in him, even though they couldn't see him physically. Just like love just like wind, and just like electricity. But we have to remember we're human. We all have experiences in our lives that may determine how open we are to believing or how quickly we might dismiss the possibility. We know that our enemy has been busy getting mankind to lie and hurt other people since God created us. We live in a world where there isn't much trust, and for good reason. It breaks my heart to hear about how many seniors are scammed over the phone or the internet. Somebody calls up and says their grandchild's in jail or hurt and, and they need money immediately. Sometimes people fall for it and they lose thousands of dollars. How quick will they be to believe anything else without seeing it themselves after that? I get it. It's hard to blame them. But see, there's a difference in trusting the world and trusting the word of God. The Bible says Jesus was resurrected. If Jesus Christ is not resurrected, then we have no hope that we will be either. In fact, apart from Christ's resurrection, we'll, we have no Savior, no salvation, and no hope of, hope of eternal life. As Paul told the Corinthians, our faith would be useless. The gospel would be altogether powerless, and our sins would remain unforgiven. But last week, we read proof of the resurrection, even though we didn't actually witness it firsthand. We heard the account of Mary Magdalene as she discovered the missing body of Jesus, and, and she saw the two angels inside 
where Jesus had lied before. We even read of her conversations with them. Now, I don't know of many people who've talked with angels, so we have a choice to believe this or not. We weren't there. We didn't see the angels or hear the conversation, so we have to make a choice to believe or not to believe. Well, that decision becomes much easier when we believe the Bible was inspired by God and is the truth. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us all Scripture is inspired by God. So, I believe the Bible. So, I believe Mary had a conversation with the angels. And I believe she had a conversation with our risen Savior. We also read of Peter and John running to the tomb and discovering the linen that had covered Jesus, but no body. And then John wrote that Jesus appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters, some who were still alive at the time. He said Jesus also appeared to James and to the other apostles and then to John himself. My guess would be it was pretty easy for those people to believe Christ was risen because they saw him. But what about those who haven't seen him? Are the testimonies of the apostles and witnesses enough? President Reagan used to say, trust, but verify, and you've heard me say the same thing many times. So today, we see Thomas desiring to trust, but he wanted to verify. Thomas got a bad rap for this. He, he will forever be named Doubting Thomas for wanting to verify himself. We read John 20, 24, or we, I'm sorry, we read John 20, 24 to 25 this morning, and it told us his reaction. But Thomas, who was called a twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. And now he is forever called Doubting Thomas and is always referred to when talking about having faith. But let's be fair. Let's go back to verses 19 through 20. They read this way. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the, then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Now, there's so much to unpack here, but let's just look at a few facts. We know Mary went to the disciples and told them she had seen the Lord, that he was risen. So what did they all do? They all hid in an upper room with the doors locked. That was the first thing they did. They focused on their fear of the Jews instead of all the teachings of Jesus. So did they believe right away, even after hearing Jesus predict so many times that he would die and be resurrected? So we go to verse 20. Verse 20 says, After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then it reads, Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Then the disciples rejoiced. Did you catch that? They didn't rejoice until after Jesus showed them his hands and his side. So maybe we should rename each one of them. Doubting John. Doubting Peter. Doubting James, etc., etc. 
I wonder if Peter forgot his conversation with Jesus in Matthew 16 through 17. It reads, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. So Simon Peter knew he was the son of the living God, and yet we read that he too was locked in that upper room for fear of the Jews. Now imagine that you were there. Imagine you're in the upper room right after the the murder of your leader and teacher, the man you identified as the son of the living God, the Messiah. I would imagine it looked and sounded much like a trial in a courtroom. Okay, Mary, what exactly did you see? What did he say to you? Are you sure it was him? You said at one point you thought he was a gardener, didn't you? All right, John, Peter, you both saw inside of the tomb. Did it look like someone broke in and moved him? And then you know someone had to ask the question, are you sure you went to the right tomb? <laughs> we all know someone like that. We all know someone like that. So after all the cross-examining, my hope would be that they gave testimonies of things that happened when the Lord was with them. They should have recounted when God himself told Peter, John, and James that Jesus was his son. Do you remember? It was during a field trip with Jesus to a mountain. We read that in Matthew 17, 1 through 4. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And in verse 5 gives us God's response, proof of who Jesus was. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. I would hope they recounted that episode as a coward in fear for the Jews and what they could do. But what about what God could do? Could they have forgotten that on the trip down the mountain, Jesus talked about his resurrection? Verse 9 reads, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And then we have more proof in Matthew 17, 22 through 23. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised. Obviously, there's many more verses where Jesus predicted his resurrection. He repeatedly told the disciples he would be raised from the dead. I simply use these to go back to the point that the disciples also doubted until Jesus showed them his hands and his side. It wasn't just Thomas. All the disciples needed verification. verification. Jesus knew that. That's probably why he immediately showed them the proof 
of his resurrection. I read a commentary that said the disciples' uncertainty actually gives credibility to the story of the gospel. Remember, the Jewish leaders were afraid the disciples would steal the body and simply claim he was raised from the dead as he predicted. It's why guards were posted at the tomb after they murdered him. It's why they sealed the stone in front of the tomb. We read of their paranoia in Matthew 27, 62 through 66. Matthew 27, 62 through 66. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember what that imposter said while he was still alive. After three days I will rise again. Therefore command the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may go and steal him away. And tell the people, he has been raised from the dead. And the last deception would be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went with the guard and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone. And then after the resurrection, we read the reaction of the guards and the religious leaders in Matthew 28, 11 through 15. Matthew 28, 11 through 15. While they were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests everything that had happened. After the priest had assembled with the elders, they devised a plan to give a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, You must say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story is still told among the Jews to this day. Well, first of all, we all know that if the guards were sleeping, the penalty back then was death. So we know they couldn't have been sleeping, they would have been killed. And, and secondly, if the disciples were boldly walking through the city to show that credibility again about their uncertainty, if the disciples were boldly walking through the city immediately after the quote-unquote disappearance of the body, the rumors of it being an inside job could have become the main conversation. So the enemy, Satan, did what he does best. He planted lies and seeds of doubt into the minds of the people through the very own religious leaders. It saddens me to agree that many Jews still believe that lie today. I've had Jewish friends that spoke of it. So let's go back for a minute. Let's go back to our memory verse to, for today. John 20, 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. I don't believe that Jesus was trying to admonish or embarrass Thomas. Most every commentary I read, or most pastors I've talked to over the years will tell you that Jesus was rebuking Thomas. But if it was a rebuke, if it was a rebuke, then it had to be a rebuke to all of the disciples since none of them believed until they saw the scars. Unfortunately for Thomas, he was the only one that vocalized his doubts. Jesus had already seen that all the other disciples needed proof as well when he appeared to them earlier. He also knew that he wouldn't be able to give physical proof once he ascended to the right hand of our Father. Not to them and not to us. But we know that all of mankind will believe when they finally see Jesus and face him at the judgment seat. Philippians 2, 10, 11, 10 through 11 tells us, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven 
and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The problem is it'll be too late for those that refuse to believe until they saw him. The Bible provides ample proof that Jesus was resurrected. But we have a choice to believe or not believe. I want to encourage you today and tell you that sometimes our faith can waver. We're human. Sometimes we question our faith in other people or spouses or employers. And we just discussed the wavering faith of disciples. In John 20, 27, Jesus told Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand, put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And we are called to do the same, brothers and sisters. We do it by reading God's word and spending time in prayer. We may not be able to reach out and touch his wounds, but like love, like the wind, and like the electricity, we can see and feel him through the results of his work in us and others. Do not doubt, but believe. Let us pray. Resurrected God, though we've hidden ourselves in a locked room and huddled together as one who build barriers, send your living word through our locked doors and into our guarded hearts that we might be witnesses of your grace and couriers of your goodness. You call us to be people of faith, yet we confess we sometimes have our doubts. When our childhood understandings fall away, we feel confused. When our long-held beliefs seem to crumble, we feel lost. When our convictions are questioned, we feel ashamed. By the power of your Holy Spirit, grant us a trust to believe in the gospel, not because we see it, but because we have been seen by it and transformed through it. Guide our feet into the way of peace, our hands to care for others, and our hearts to forgive and love our neighbors. Call us back to you and renew our faith. You know the strength of love and the power of prayer. Help us to be faithful to you and to each other. When the ground is unsteady, Father God, assure us that you are with us through your Holy Spirit. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us. Praise be to God. Amen and amen. When those who are hungry beg for food, the church should be there. When shelter is needed, Christians should respond. May we be generous in our offering today to support our ministries to one another and to the community. As God has blessed us, so let us be a blessing. We move to the offering, brothers and sisters, and <clears throat> I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. <clears throat> Thank you for being such a blessing to the churches. Thank you for being obedient to God and, and, and uh, recognizing and showing him that, that what we have has been given by him. He owns it all. We're just returning a portion. So I, I thank you. Let us pray. Holy God, we continue to hold on to the celebration and triumph of Easter. As we look back over the past year, we realize that many of us can identify with Thomas's doubt. During this pandemic, when we weren't meeting, we would ask, can we be the church, the body of Christ, when we can't see the body gathered in the sanctuary? Yet Christ has opened our eyes to his risen body that can't be confined by walls and is not diminished by precautions and social distance. As we make our gifts to you this morning, we affirm the resurrection power that we have seen. And so we say again, Alleluia. 
In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am now sending you. He believes in you. The world awaits your compassion when you go about your week. God believes in us. Sometimes we will give our best but fail anyway. At other times we'll succeed in spite of our stumbling. Go glad, gladly, daring to succeed or fail to the glory of God. And then at the very end, nothing shall dismay you. God believes in us. With Christ's own breath within us, travel well this week to the glory of our Father. And now receive the benediction. And now may the help of the saving Christ, the wisdom of the living God, and the support of the loving Spirit be with you every step of the way, now and always. Until we meet again, may God bless and keep each and every one of you, brothers and sisters. Please stay safe and stay in his word. God bless you all.